is Orlando Thompson, and this is The B-Side, brought to you by Some College Radio, where you don't need a degree to understand what the hell we're talking about. So on this show, we talk to people I know, people I meet, complete randoms. But it's also interesting, though, like the flip side of your favorite cassette tape. So stick around, because you may learn something, or not. I'm Orlando Thompson, and on today's show, I'm talking about sex, art, and life with Atlanta-based artist William Downs on the beat. Welcome to the B-Side. Thank you. I like to be on the B-Side. <laughs> I'm here with uh, William Downs. Um, there'll probably be some sort of intro or something like that. Yeah, cool. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I just want to talk to, yeah. to some friends of mine. And this is one of the most interesting friends I have. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I feel the same way. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that I don't have to do it because it's always awkward, I think, when, when like the interviewer um, announces a person and mm-hmm. has to like go through their whatever like oh this is this person and this person is this and that yeah, 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 yeah. so just give us a little rundown I know you've done it a couple times so um, okay let me see okay so where I'm from we'll start there okay <laughs> so I'm William Downs I was born in Greenville South Carolina in a small town called Simpsonville South Carolina I am the oldest of two and mother and father, I'm the third William. I left Greenville after high school to go to the Atlanta College of Art and Design, where I studied painting and printmaking. And then I ended up at the Maryland Institute College of Art and Design for my master's, mm. where I was in the interdisciplinary program. And then I started teaching there, drawing, first intro to printmaking, then drawing and then from there I went to Cooper Union and Parsons and taught drawing at both of those schools at the same time and then Tulane University then now Georgia State University where I teach drawing and painting I'm a lecturer it's my fourth year there mm. so I've been around You've been, a little, been around a little bit <laughs> hopefully we'll talk about some of that going around <laughs> Nice. Let's do it. <laughs> when, I think when you when you talk to artists, you have to go into all the stereotypes of what artists are, what uh, we uh, imagine them to be, <laughs> and what we see them on TV or as them on TV. Yeah. So, like you know, um, for instance, uh-huh. um, your your sexual exploits are they as crazy as we would? Because <laughs> on TV, they're always such sexual beings. <laughs> I think so, yeah. At least <laughs> I want them to be. So. <laughs> I try to be as wild as possible. <laughs> I like to live in the truth. I like to live in the now. <laughs> and hopefully she's enjoying every minute of it too. <laughs> Sex is amazing. <laughs> it's the best. Let me let me ask you this. So, uh, when was well, not the first time you had sex, but like when did the when did you start having like exploits? Like when was when was like okay, this is gone beyond me. I didn't know that you could do this with sex. 
<laughs> and now I'm, I'm fucking addicted. Um, <laughs> I think the first time that I had sex with two girls. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it taught me how patience and just being ready and to, to kind of like negotiate and be sensitive to two people's like taste and feel. And you know, it's like a weird moment, but you can be awkward. So you have to be, you know, on top of the game and know when to step in, so go back, forth. <clears throat> but that was the first time. And I think that that kind of opened me up into this, um, this animal where I love women. And, and having two girls at the same time is such a beautiful thing because you get to sit back and watch them for a little bit mm -hmm. and then you can go in and then, you know, especially if they're in sync with you and your rhythm, it's magical, it's beautiful. So I think that's what kind of like broke the floodgates in my sexual craving for women. Wow. Yeah. And you're, so you, obviously, since we're on, this is a podcast, nobody can actually see what your work looks like. Right. Can you describe your work? I've seen it. Um, I have, I think I have a piece of it in my own. Yeah. Um, which doesn't have a sexual tone to it, right. but a lot of it... It does, yeah. yeah. Um, I think, for me, I try my best to kind of be <clears throat> the artist that can explore everything that human beings kind of deal with. So when I take the figure and, and break it apart and add multiple lens and body parts, where they become like this hermaphrodite that, that can... Um, operate with whatever situation it feels like. And then when I put them together, it becomes this crazy, fantastic, surreal, sexual um, activity, kind of like the Garden of... Um, Garden of... Like Eden? Yeah. Mm. So when you go there and, and... So I think that painting by Hieronymus Bosch um, was kind of what opened me up also when I saw like and George Clinton when I was a kid looking at those album covers and seeing how sexual and crazy color and th the bodies and you know seeing scenes of people fucking and being kind of piled on top of each other like those things kind of came in early in my life so that when I started making pictures I was kind of reflecting to that and <clears throat> so I try to be you know on all levels of being conceptual abstract sexual um, and what else? Not objective. So the figure is always in the work. Mm. And what do figures do? What do people do? They eat, sleep, die, have sex. So I try to make work about all of those things. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, when did you start drawing? I think I started it, when I first realized that I made a picture about something. I think I was obsessed over it and I think I was like five. But before that I was making just like normal kids scratching drawings on the walls and nothing was really kind of happening but I drew, I had a, a chicken. Mm -hmm. My parents had chickens so I had this pet rooster and one day we we're sitting at the table and I actually drew the rooster in a space. Mm -hmm. So it's like it wasn't flat. So there's like this spatial relationship that I was making with that animal. And I think my mom and dad were like, wow, that's really good. 
And I think that kind of changed everything because when I was in middle school or elementary school, the kids were putting things on the window and tracing them and I was actually just sitting there drawing what yeah. we were supposed to draw. So that kind of taught my teachers that, oh, he can draw space, he can see three-dimensional objects. So they started putting me in advanced drawing classes and painting classes, you know, right in middle school. Then high school, I went to an art magnet school, and then that's been it. So but I think not five, that's when I really realized what it could do. But you don't, you don't really, your art doesn't look like that anymore. Like you're not drawing mm -hmm. um, to mimic reality so much as... Uh, like, like because I think the dream world is better. Yeah. So I feel like that's what my work is kind of clear about. We all dream, we all have visions, we all days off. And so I feel like my drawings kind of feel like that surreal world. Yeah. Dreaming. Hmm. All right. Well, so, so this, this is the B side. We're not going to spend all of our time on the A side of your life. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 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 what's a normal day before we jump into some other shit? What, what's a normal day in a way I'm Downs like, hmm. like when you, you wake up in the morning. I know you ride bikes. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because you know I, I try my best. I'm a Capricorn, so we have routine, mm -hmm. we have structure, but we also kind of go off a little bit so that we can stay interested in things. So I guess a normal day, let's say a weekend, um, on a let's start on a Thursday night. Thursday, okay. Thursdays are my favorite days because um, the weekend is coming, but I like that day before it all breaks off. So I'll wake up at five o'clock, um, make coffee, run a bath, because I like taking baths, <laughs> and then figure out what I'm gonna wear for the day, put on music, and I'll either lay out some paper and draw what I'm gonna do in the day. If I'm teaching or if I'm not teaching, um, I'll probably just hang around the house for a few minutes, and then around nine, 10 o'clock, go to the studio. The yeah. studio in your house or where's your studio? Now it's down the street from my house. Okay. It was always in the house, but um, I'm in a studio with four people and so the, it's easier to pay for that, but it's a great space. I'm really excited about it. So I'll either bike there or I'll drive there, but I'll work for like five or six hours and then I'll take a break and then maybe go back home. Mm -hmm. um, go online, work on some stuff, send emails, and then go back to the studio, work for a while, and then I'll check in with my boys to see where everybody's <laughs> gonna be later on. <laughs> and the local is my favorite bar right now. So so right now you're living in Atlanta, so the local yeah, is a bar in Atlanta. In Atlanta, okay. Georgia, I love the local. And Octopus was, okay, so go to the local, eat food and everybody will slowly gather and then we'll figure out, oh, what is tonight gonna be like? Is it gonna be an adventurous night? Are we raging tonight? How does everybody feel? Um, or if there's an opening, we'll go to the opening and try to rally up people and then go back to the local and then go to Octopus. For the late night spot. For the late night. I've been there before. So yeah. at midnight, you know, midnight is the best time to find anything. <laughs> So we'll go there and we'll rage to like three o'clock in the morning. And if there's a really, um, if I get lucky that night, <laughs> I'll take a pretty lady home and 
He'll knock pizza all day long. And for me, for me, hopefully, uh, I either choose to call him or I see him, and then he, he relays all of this wild <laughs> ridiculousness to me, and, and I get to live through him, through his experiences, because that's not how my life is. <laughs> find inspiration for your work yeah exactly it leads all back yeah, to I think so I think um, that whole process is about the work and you know I go through the whole day and everything that's happening becomes part of my n narrative <clears throat> so if I meet somebody it's like that person is inspiration mm. so in my process of interviewing you know asking questions and hopefully um, they dare really you know, the body is amazing, and that becomes like a drawing right there. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do the next day in the studio. Her body becomes one of my figures, and um, yeah, so it's all inspiration. So okay, so you you teach, and I, I'm always looking. I have to look back at the tape because we are we're recording on tape, so it's like <laughs> 30 minutes aside. <laughs> we're already halfway there. <laughs> People shoot on, they're doing digital now, so yeah. it's like they just talk forever. <laughs> yeah. We only have 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let's talk about a little bit about uh, your teaching. And, and mm -hmm. I don't want to go totally into it, but I know that you have a very interesting practice uh, teaching. Yes. Um, and you guys need to follow his, his Instagram feed. It's, uh, what, what, it's, re it's Repair374. Repair374. It's, it's freaking ridiculous. Like he catches a student sleeping, and then bam, they're yep. just they're out there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I tell them in advance. I'm like, you guys fall asleep in my class. I'm gonna photograph you, and you're gonna be on my Instagram, <laughs> sleeping, not working. Oh, <laughs> um, so how do you talk about your teaching practice a little bit? You know, it's strange because I had to take a pedagogy class in graduate school. But our teachers weren't really serious about teaching, so it's kind of like we just listened to other people talk about their teaching experiences, so we really didn't learn anything. But the way I learned was I had to um, take over for an instructor one time, mm -hmm. and she um, decided not to come back, so she gave me the class. So here I am, graduate school. I don't know how to teach a class, really, but I had to figure it out. I had to write the syllabus. Then I had to figure out how to talk to each person in a way where they understood how to do a print, because it was an intro to printmaking. Mm. So from that, I kind of learned my strategy, and I learned how to um, use my artist's life as an example when I was talking to them about certain things, which taught me how to be an artist instructor, and it helps people relax a little bit more. <clears throat> Because in high school, you have the structure, and you have the teacher who goes over everything about the books, and there's no room for error, no room for freedom or um, realness. So for me, my structure is structured, but I like my students to feel comfortable, like they would if they were going into yoga. Which is why they fall asleep. Well, yeah, they get relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> a little too relaxed. 
But I'm thinking that they work so hard in my class that they fall asleep. <laughs> show's called the b-side and i have this idea that maybe that uh the interviewee can produce mm -hmm. uh the a-side which would be music mm -hmm. uh, a playlist of your choosing of music um so uh what what is your favorite music like whew, what would that com be comprised of <clears throat> wow you know it's my musical taste is kind of like my art taste it's like this full platter of like everything but i really like when people can strip down sound and just be the voice, guitar, or just the voice. Mm -hmm. So I like people who who are like that. <clears throat> and Will Oldham was somebody that I met in Baltimore, and that's kind of like his thing. Um, it's just him and his guitar, or it's him and a band. Mm -hmm. And they all play according to what his sound is uh, making. And then there's this guy named Little Wings. Kyle Field, he's from California, surfer. He's the same way. He's like with a band, or it could be just him, guitar. So I like that kind of music. That's kind of like the theme of kind of like how I operate as an artist. It's just me, but I can work with other people, or I'm in a classroom setting, but I'm on the road and touring around with my work. Um, but I think people like James Brown and Prince, I think those two people kind of opened me up to these artists who could do everything. Mm -hmm. Stevie Wonder. So I love those three guys. And then Joni Mitchell, she like blew me off my feet as a kid. Kate Bush, Sharday, I had a huge crush on her when I was in school. Um, who else? Aretha Franklin. But I love her sister. Her, her sister. sister? Yeah, her sister's really great. And I feel bad because I can't remember her name right now unless we look on the internet. But we should find her. You'll love her. That's the reason nobody... I, like, that's the reason I had that reaction. Yeah, I know, yeah. Didn't know she had a sister. Yeah, she had a sister. <clears throat> she's really good. She sang mostly um, church songs, but mm. she's good. Big wow. voice, yeah. Um, who else? Um, you listen to anything in the studio? Yeah, I always have to have either something quiet playing. Um, Bill Callahan is one of my heroes. Mm -hmm. So he's he his music is like making pictures. Like I feel like the way he sings and the way that he pronounces words can be visual for me. Mm -hmm. So I like for that to be playing as I'm working. Um, Glenn Danzig I think is probably someone who's very underrated, but I love the Misfits and I try to have that kind of noise going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, who else in the studio? A lot of quiet stuff, um, instrumental stuff, um, like the early Prince recordings when he made um, just instrumental albums. So I play that a lot because I love how his um, technical um, skills are. Mm. He's fine. So um, TV on the radio, I love them. I play them a lot in the studio. Um, PJ Harvey, I love her mm -hmm. so much. She's like my dream. Um, 
Scott Nib Scout Niblet. She's also one that plays solo, but also travels with the band. Mm. So you, you see where I'm going with that. It's like the solo, yeah. and then with the yeah. group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's how I like to stage it. And it also creates this environment when I walk into the studio. That sound kind of gives my characters and my figures a place to kind of dance through. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Cool. Yeah. Um, big projects that you got coming up. Oh, Black Pulp is the best one right now. Oh. I mean, everything's good on the group show here, but Black Pulp is this show that my friend Will Villalongo and another artist um, curated. It's traveling around. Um, it's leaving New York. It was at the international. It started at Yale. Okay. Then it went to the International Print Center in Chelsea. Now it's going to the Contemporary Museum in Tampa. Mm. And then it's going to go back up to Connecticut at a university, one that I've never heard of before. And then it's probably going to keep going. But it's like this black exploitation art yeah. um, <laughs> exhibition with comic books, um, newspapers by um, Emery Douglas, photographs um, that are talking about the fantastic, so people like Renee Cox, um, and who else? Um, Fred Wilson's in the show. Mm -hmm. um, William Popel is in the show. So it's like this great crew. Trindor Hancock is in the show. So it's this really nice group of artists. Hank Willis Thomas is in the show. So I'm really excited about that. The catalog is beautiful. Um, my work is like, I, I gave them my strongest object. So I think they're really excited about that. And I don't know, it's just a great thing. So I'm really excited about that. All the other shows are great, but I feel like there's this nice glue that has stuck everything together from that show. Um, yeah, trying to think. You came up in a time, it feels like, like talking to you, I feel like I'm talking to somebody from like the 60s or something. <laughs> like he, I feel like you came in this alternative time that I can only dream about. Like, you know, like, they're all the artists were around and, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Like all these creative minds and things were happening and, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, just crazy stories. And I feel like that kind of shit just doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but it's interesting to hear you talk about it because it does feel like I'm just talking to somebody that's much older that's <laughs> talking about this time that's in the past. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. um, but who are the, some of the people? Who are some of the people that you sort of came up with? You know that you were able to uh, to meet and and make art with and to um, to watch grow. And um, I think first come to mind would be Radcliffe Bailey. Um, mm. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. I saw him when I was a kid, and he's much older, but he went to ACA also when I got there. I was a freshman. He was graduating. So he was somebody that I really did watch elevate in his career. Um, who else? Um, in basketball, I grew up with Kevin Garnett. We played in, on the same basketball team for a little while before he left Greenville. But I, I knew him from the time he was, like, what, 14 13, all the way to, you know, graduating. You ever, like, uh, smack that ball out of his hand when he get, went to the hoop? Just. I did before he grew, like, five inches taller. <laughs> we would play at this one playground right near the high school. Every day it would be like, you're there fending for your life. That's how hardcore <laughs> it was. So Kevin was, like, a lanky little kid at that time, and so we punished them. 
the next summer he grew and I didn't see him that whole summer because I was working and I was like oh my god this guy's going to be a killer <laughs> and that was the last time I ever like swatted I mean there's sometimes in practice I would steal it from him but um, he definitely blocked my shot a lot you know I did get him few times but um when i got him i got him hard and he remember those times <laughs> like, i think like shoulder to the ribs <laughs> yeah or dunk over him you know really yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i paid back my you know i whenever i get get a chance but um he's definitely somebody i saw i grew up in, yeah like this elevate it's amazing that you like I, I you know it's funny because like i was saying i I don't have any of those stories. Like, there's nobody. I mean, I, I'm sorry for all yeah. of my friends from back in the day, but none of yeah. you, yeah. none of you guys, I can talk about in a story. Like, I can't say, "Oh man, I knew that dude from back in the day, and now he's freaking uh, Colum or whoever." Yeah. I, don't, I can't say that. But you got tons of those stories. I know, man. <laughs> I think I was placed on this planet to just be a connector or be connected to all these people who are just doing their things. Mm. It's amazing. And I randomly meet people and we, well, oh, I met um, Zach Galifianakis through my friend Keely and we became like boys. And there's this one crazy night where we were, we had dinner and all the ladies left and it was just he and I. He was like, what do you want to do? I was like, let's go on a bar, bar crawl. So we went to like six bars in the Lower East Side, and we were sitting at this one table. And I really, really didn't realize how famous he was until we were surrounded by these frat boys, <laughs> and they were buying us drink after drink after drink, not talking to us, but just standing there looking at us. <laughs> and I'm just drinking and I'm drinking. Zach is like, "When do we leave? I don't know when do you want to leave." He's like, "We should leave after this one. We should definitely leave after this one." And then we left, and they were like clapping as we were leaving the bar. So weird. <laughs> See, now at the restaurant, he would have been Zach and be like, "Yo, so uh, Orlando, what do you want to do?" And I'd be like, "Oh shit, it's like what? It's like 11:30. Uh, I may have to go home. <laughs> you know, my wife's waiting for me. <laughs> I'm a little tired. I may give him a little yawn, like ah." <laughs> And that'd be the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta be wild, man. You just gotta go for just it. Just gotta go for it. Shit. <laughs> Shit. I think we've I think we've run the game. I think we've done Covered. talk yeah, yeah. talk about everything. Which is really cool. Yeah. I uh, I never get a chance to like oh, we, we talk a lot, yeah, but um to ask you stupid questions about stupid shit, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah, we never talked food before. I didn't know that you like spaghetti and shit, so. Yeah, I love it. That's probably the only thing I can cook. <laughs> That's all. You know, spaghetti and breakfast food. That's it. That's it. So, so this was wonderful, man. I appreciate yeah, man, you. This is beautiful. You coming in and, and talking with me, yeah. you know. On the B side. On the B side. <laughs> I think this should be a show. You should. It, you should have this, this is going. gonna be a show. You gotta this, do it. It's gonna be a thing. And I think it has um, to be. This is great. And when and when it airs, we'll make sure that uh, we let people know where they can check out the uh, the A side that you will be doing. <laughs> the music that would go on the A side. Yeah, the music is gonna be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't even know what we're laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> it's the B side, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> when they go to edit this footage up, it's just going to be us laughing like a straight laugh track for 20 minutes. <laughs> Sign off B side. Yep. <laughs>